Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you would bless the offering, Lord God, that we're about to receive through our church offering, Lord God, for those online that are listening, that you will touch their hearts. If they've been blessed, if they've been encouraged by our ministry, that they would support the ministry so that we can continue to move forward, Lord God. So we pray right now, God, that you would bless that. And also we want to pray for the message this morning, that you will anoint it and let it come alive and let it minister to our hearts. Let it be personal to us, Lord God, and let it help us and challenge us to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. One last thing that I want to say. I see the uh, Rodriguez family here this morning, and we want to let you know that we're going to be having a, um, a service for Manny Rodriguez on Saturday, September the 19th, here at church at 11 o'clock in the morning. Saturday, September the 19th. Did I get the date and the time correct? Very good. So those of you that know the family, those of you that know Manny personally, Saturday, September the 19th, here at church, we're going to honor Manny. They've been waiting months for this service, and things are starting to open up now, and we want to take advantage of that. So please join us in supporting that family. And I also want to pray for Pierre and Sandra and Sandra's broken heart because she lost her mom. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we continue to pray for uh, Manny, Rodriguez's family, Margaret, and all the kids. And we want to pray for Sandra also who lost her mom. We pray that you will comfort the family. Lord God, comfort both of these families that they have to deal with loss of loved ones. It's a difficult season right now, Lord, where people are, many people are sick and many people are dying. But we just cling to you, Lord, and we're going to put our hope and strength in you for those, Lord God, that have passed that are Christians. We know that they are with you right now, God, and that gives us joy. But we pray for the souls of those that don't know you, that they would not die without you, Jesus, being their Lord and Savior. Bring salvation to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 22. I want to read verses 1 through 6 here this morning. 2 Kings, chapter 22, verses 1 through six. Those of you that have been with us the past few weeks, you know that we began a Bible study uh, on the life of a young man by the name of Josiah. And we want to continue that here this morning. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. Since we've prayed already, let me just go ahead and start reading. It says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adaiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dressed stone to repair the temple. Again, we began this study on Josiah a couple of weeks ago. And we learned that he came from a very dysfunctional home, a home that was filled with violence, danger, corruption, perversion, wickedness, and the practice of unrestrained sinful behavior. Last week, we learned that Josiah chose to reject the wicked ways of his dad and grandfather. And instead, we learned in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3, that when Josiah was 16 years old, he began to seek 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then when Josiah was 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the Asherah poles, the idols, and the high places. All of these represented evil and satanic strongholds that had been in place in Judah and in the nation of Israel for many years. And all of these represented evil and satanic strongholds that had to be demolished uh, by, by Josiah. So we learned something really important. From the age of 8 to 16, Josiah compares the gods of his dad and grandfather with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now remember, Josiah's dad was a king. His grandfather was a king. They belonged to a very wealthy, elite class of people. They were connected to very powerful people. But sadly, they used their power, their influence, and they were connected to wicked and evil people. And I said before, listen, we cannot underestimate the powers of the devil, the powers of hell, because they are very powerful. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then it says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Listen, we have a powerful enemy, and we need a powerful God to come against that enemy. Can you say amen, church? So don't underestimate these powers of hell that are around us that are controlling our politics, that are controlling our economy, that are controlling our media, that are controlling our lifestyle, that are controlling the systems of the world. They are very powerful forces. But Josiah compared the gods of his dad and grandfather, which were very powerful, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Josiah decides that he wants to seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then at the age of 20, it appears that between the age of 18 and 20, something remarkable and powerful and life-changing happens to Josiah. He finds God. He discovers God. He connects with God. He is anointed by God. He is empowered by God. He is able to hear and be guided and directed by the Almighty God. Josiah discovered the truth about Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, which says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me, find me. And at the age of 20, Josiah begins to purge Judah and Jerusalem of evil and rebellion and sin. How is he able to do it? Because he's empowered by God. He connected with God. He is anointed by God. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what happens when you find God. Then in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 8, we want to pick up on what happens next. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and Maseiah, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Joahaz, to re the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. Now he's saying that the Lord is his God. If we pick up on 2 Kings, which is our text that we read here this morning, 2 Kings chapter 22, starting at verse 3 through 6, which is our text for this morning, 
In the 18th year of his reign, this is saying the same thing that Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 8 says. We're just repeating it now in Second Kings. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work of the temple, and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple to repair the temple so now the bible tells us that josiah begins to repair the temple of the lord in jerusalem we have to remember that josiah's dad and grandfather had desecrated and corrupted the temple of god they corrupted and compromised the sacrifices of god they corrupted and compromised the worship of god they corrupted and compromised the praise of god let's remind ourselves of what josiah's dad and grandfather did to the temple of God, the God that you and I worship today. In 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 4 through 7, it says this. This is what Josiah's dad and grandfather did. It says this. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry, starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He took the carved Asherah pole he had made and put it in the temple, of which the Lord had said to David and to his son Solomon, In this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever." Josiah's dad and grandfather did some horrible things in the temple of God. So Josiah had to cleanse and repair the house of God. You see, the temple or the house of God in the Old Testament is where the people of God would meet for corporate worship to God, corporate praise to God, corporate sacrifices to God. The house of God or the temple of God was to be holy. Just like you and I right now are in the church building. Guess what? We're here to do what? To worship our God. We're here to do what? Forget about the world. Forget about the problems. Forget about the heartache. Forget about the stress. Forget about the anxiety. We are going to focus on Almighty God and how powerful He is and how good He is and how awesome He is and how wonderful He is and how faithful He is. Can you say amen, church? That's why we're here as a corporate body of Christ. We learned about the importance of the house of God or the church in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 for our Wednesday night crowd. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, And he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The first part of Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 is very important. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church. The church is where the people of God gather, just like we're gathering together right now. We gather together to worship God. We gather together to praise God. We gather together to offer sacrifices to God. We gather together to repent before God. We gather together to cry out to our God in our time of need, in our time of hurt, in our time of pain, in our time of desperation. We come here as a corporate body and we join forces in the name of Jesus Christ and we cry out to our God so that He can hear our prayers. Can you say 
amen, church. And like I said a little while ago, I hate to keep bringing it up, but Marvin is right here. God answered our prayers, and he's in church here today. Hallelujah. Well, it's the same with you and I as Christians. Listen to this. Last week, we learned that Josiah, the king of Judah, went on a personal quest to seek God. It was personal, just him and God. We learned that God was faithful and Josiah found or connected with God. And now Josiah is anointed and empowered by God through the Holy Spirit. This was personal. This was intimate. This was his own personal journey with God. Are you guys following what I'm saying here? But now he's focusing on the temple of God. The house of God. You and I individually... When we become Christians, we individually become the temple of God. God abides in us individually, intimately, and personally. We are all on our own personal, intimate relationship and journey with God. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? I'm on my little journey. You're on your little journey. Those of you watching on the internet, those of you that are Christians, you're on your own little journey. We're all independent little temples where the Holy Spirit dwells and we're walking around everywhere bringing light into the darkness. You bring light to where you work. You bring light when you go grocery shopping. You bring light when you go put gas in your car. You bring light in your neighborhood where you live. Where these little temples where the Holy Spirit abides and the power of God abides in us individually and intimately. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. If you are a Christian, if you are a born-again believer, then you are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit abides in you individually, personally, and intimately. But the church is a composite of all the Christians together. All the people of the world who belong to Jesus Christ, we together make up the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. For me, that is good news because the church is not headed by me as a pastor. It is headed by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the boss in this house. Jesus is the Lord of this house. Jesus is in charge of this house. I'm just a man just like you. Doing the best that I can to follow my leader, my savior, my God, my Lord Jesus. Just like you are. But he's the head. And we are the body, the church. Everyone follow me so far? Can you say amen? Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this. Keep watch 
over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church has been purchased with the blood of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 20 says this. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. This is the apostle John speaking. Verse 11, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven, remember seven is a number of God, seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Among the lampstands, in the middle of the lampstands, in the midst of the lampstands, walking through, in and out the lampstands, which is the churches, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair of his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters in his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance when i saw him i fell at his feet as though dead then he placed his right hand on me and said do not be afraid i am the first and the last i am the living one i was dead and now look i am alive forever and ever and i hold the keys of death and hades write therefore what you have seen what is now and what will take place later the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches church i want you to understand that the church the body of christ is very important to our god he gave his blood he purchased it with his blood and he protects it with his blood Jesus Christ is here right now as I'm speaking, walking the aisles of the church. He is here right now present in the church. In other words, Jesus Christ is constantly monitoring his church. He is constantly monitoring his body, observing and revealing to us by the Holy Spirit any adjustments that need to be made, constantly calling for inspections. That's why I, as a pastor, I better make sure that I speak the truth from the Word of God, not just my own nonsense, but Aerith has to be from the word of the living God. Can you say amen, church? And you have to listen and make sure that it's coming from the living God and from the word of God. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Listen, individually, you have power. But when we come together, there's more power. There's more power. So here's how we learned it works in the book of Colossians when we did our study in the book of Colossians. God deals with us individually and intimately because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Individually, we are the temple of God, and God abides in us individually. However, as soon as we come together, 
for a Bible study, for a prayer meeting, for a church meeting, whenever two or three saints come together for the purposes of lifting up the name of Jesus, for the purposes of lifting up Jesus Christ through the teaching of the word, lifting up Jesus Christ through the worship and praise, lifting up Jesus Christ through the expression of prophecy or speaking in tongues or interpretation of tongues, lifting up Jesus Christ through the ministry of prayer and intercession and petition and the exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now we have gone from just being the temple of God to the church of God. Did everyone hear that transition? Now we have gone from the individual temple of God to the combined church of God. And there's a big difference. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says this, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. What should be coming from this pulpit should be truth, should be light, should be from God. This is the pillar and ground of the truth. Forget about what the world is saying or dictating. This is the ground and the foundation of truth. Where you hear about Jesus, that he is the Savior, and he is the only way to God. What you and I do individually and how God deals with us individually, that's one thing. But when it comes to the church, how we conduct ourselves or act or behave in the church is something more serious. Because the church is very precious to Jesus Christ. You're precious too, individually. But the church together is very precious to Jesus Christ. Let me repeat the scripture that I read to you earlier. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Now, because of these, because of this, there are two different aspects about the church. There's a positive, but there's also what I would call a negative about the church. The first, let's look at the positive. A word of encouragement, because if we are part of the church body, how many of you are glad that you are part of the church body? Can you, I want to see your hands raised up. Come on, you're, you're proud to be here. You're excited to be here. You're glad you're here, even though your mom pulled you by the ear and, and brought you to church. You're, you're okay to be here, right? Okay? Listen. If you're part of the church, you need to be really, really excited about that. We are... In the body of Christ. We are one with the body of Christ. We are the church. Matthew 5.18 tells us and assures us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The devil cannot win. He cannot win. He will not win. No matter what the world does, the devil will not win, church. 
In other words, the devil and all his hordes and of demons and all the people of the world that hate God can all gather together and try and destroy us or take us out like they're going to do one day in Armageddon. But it won't matter because Jesus tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We are the church. Jesus Christ bought us or purchased us with his blood. We are the church. We are under the blood. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the people of God. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We are the church. We are under the banner of Almighty God. We are the church. We are citizens and members of his kingdom. We are the church. And Jesus Christ is our king and he is our Lord because he's a king of kings and he's a Lord of lords. Can you say amen, church? I want to quote once again, and I know that you get tired of me quoting this very famous theologian. I always quote him, and I've quoted him many times here. As a matter of fact, if any of you heard Tom Hanks, when he and his wife got the coronavirus, he also quoted this very famous theologian. And who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about MC Hammer, of course, when he says, you can't touch this. Devil, you can't touch this. We are the church of the living God, and you can't touch this, devil. It's like that commercial, you're in good hands with Allstate. No, you're in good hands when you belong to Jesus and his church. Can you say amen, church? Don't trust all state with your life. Trust Jesus with your life. Josiah discovered that it's like being a member of a private club, but better. Belonging to the church is better than belonging to the Porter Ranch Country Club. It's better than belonging to the Bel Air Country Club. It's better than belonging to the Riviera Country Club. It's better than the Brentwood Country Club. It's better than the Miami Beach Country Club. It's better than the Los Angeles Country Club. It's better than the Augusta National Country Club. Belonging to the church is better than being a member of any secret society. It is better than belonging to the Illuminati. It is better than being a member of the Freemasons. It is better than being a member of the Rosicky it is better than being a member of the Knights Templar. It is better than being part of the Clinton family or the Bush family. But then on the other hand, listen to this. Acts 20, 28 tells us, keep watch over yourselves. Or watch out how you act in the house of God. Or be careful about what goes on in the house of God. Josiah saw that things were out of order in the house of God, and he says, we got to fix this. Things were not right. They were out of order. There was corruption and sin and rebellion and all kinds of madness and nonsense and ridiculousness going on in the house of God. And Josiah said, no, we got to fix this because this place is the house of God and this place belongs to God. And Jesus gave his blood for this church, and we got to fix this thing up. Be careful about what goes on in the house of God. The new King James says, take heed. First Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says this. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will, be, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Mark chapter 9, verse 42 says this. If anyone causes one of these little ones 
Those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. First Peter 17, 4.17 tells us that judgment begins in the house of God. Let's not worry about what the world is doing. The world is doing what the world is doing. They're out of touch with God. They're disconnected with God. They're influenced by evil forces. We cannot blame them for being sinners. We cannot bl blame them for being evil. We cannot blame them for doing what they do. No, no, no. God says it begins here. We're the ones that have to be careful about how we live. Why? Because our eyes have been opened, our ears have been opened, our hearts have been opened. We know the truth, and we should be living by it. Mark chapter 9, verse 42 warns us not to cause one of these little ones to stumble in the house of God. In other words, if your words or actions or your posts on social media cause someone to stumble or cause division or cause controversy or cause drama for someone, man, you better be careful because now you're messing with God's church. And when you're messing with God's church, God takes it personally and he's going to go after you, not the sinner. He's going to go after you. I, I have to be honest with you. Sometimes certain people get upset with me or they get hurt. And then I see some of the stuff that they put on social media. Pastor Jerry's this, and Chats with Foursquare's this, and they're going to go to hell, and they're da-da-da, and all this. I mean, we as Christians can get really evil and nasty and terrible and cruel and beat up on each other. And we're Christians. And we could get really mean and nasty on that social media. Now, I can understand if someone in the world hates me or hates the church or wants to dog me or wants to put me down. Or sometimes the people in the world are actually nicer to me and the church, nicer than the people in church are. And listen, God is watching all of this go on. He's watching how you, with evil and anger and hatred and revenge and this, these ugly, dark things that are in our hearts and see He sees that. He sees you beating up Pastor Jerry. He sees that. We're messing with God because we're messing with his church. And we're messing with his people. And you and I, church, cannot do that. If the world does it, that's one thing. But you and I cannot be guilty of that. You guys understanding what I'm saying? If you intentionally post things to cause trouble for the church, if you get mad at the leaders of the church... If you get in your flesh and get obnoxious and mean and nasty, listen, we will be held accountable. And we need to repent. I don't care what Pastor Jerry has done to you. I don't care what your brother and sister has done to you. You and I do not have the right to retaliate. What we need to do is pray. You need to pray. For, if I've messed with you, if I've hurt you, you need to pray for me. If I've done something illegal, yeah, you can report me. 
If you have I broken the rules somewhere, yeah, there's, there's ways and means of, of, of disciplining and correcting and doing things in a right, godly, spiritual, biblical way. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we do need to get corrected. And there's a right way to do it. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But man, when you set off and you, uh, you are setting off to correct things in your flesh, now you're messing with God. And that's where it becomes dangerous. You know what? Just remember that Jesus Christ is in the house. Jesus Christ things, takes things personally when you mess with his church, when you mess with his people. All those priests in the Catholic Church and all those ministers in the Protestant Church that have molested or corrupted the house of God in any way, they will have to answer to Almighty God. They have caused tremendous damage, caused tremendous shame, caused tremendous uh, destruction. But, But listen, let's leave that in the hands of God. It's terrible. It's ugly. Let's leave it in the hands of God. When pastors are guilty of stealing funds or abusing or, or doing things that are nasty or, 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 or crazy or, or abusing their... Listen, let's pray and let's leave that in the hands of Almighty God. God is in charge and He's going to take care of His business with the church. You and I, we have to make sure that we conduct ourselves correctly in the house of God. Yes, there have been awful things that have gone in the church. Prejudice, injustice, discrimination, uh, evil, uh, satanic, terrible things in the church. But God says, you know what? Pray. Pray against those powerful evil forces that are trying to destroy the church. And don't worry, you have the victory. And because of this, Josiah begins to go on a quest to repair the temple or the house of God. Because the house of God was supposed to be holy, but instead it had been corrupted. Let's pray for the church. Let's pray that God will make the church holy and pure and strong and that we will preach the truth, only the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Can you say amen, church? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we prepare for communion, we have to... Examine our own hearts, Lord God, right now. And Lord Jesus, I pray for our sakes that if there is any wicked thing in our hearts, any wicked motivation, any wicked action, anything that is going on that is not right, that is grieving your spirit, I pray that we would repent of it right now, God. Help us to repent of it right now. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die or to get killed, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. Those of you at home, you are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to the Lord. I want you to repeat this prayer with me right now. You're going to receive him. You're going to become a child of God. You're going to belong to the bestest, most powerful, most elite club in the whole world. And that is the body of Christ, the church of the living God. And you're going to belong to his body by saying this prayer. Just repeat this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Because I recognize today 
that I am a sinner, that I am lost, and that I need a Savior. Jesus, be my Savior, my Lord, and my God. Cleanse me and help me to follow you all the days of my life. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. So when I die, or when you come, I will go to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give glory to God for those, amen, that by faith are coming to the Lord Jesus right now, that are choosing to be in His club instead of the devil's club. Amen. Now I want to pray for you that are here right now. If you're here and you need prayer before we have communion, just want you to lift up your hand. You're a Christian, but you just want prayer for something. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't even want to know what it is. God is here and he's examining your heart. Let him know what it is. Father, in the name of Jesus, before we receive this communion, we want to get ourselves right. We want to cry out to you, Lord God, for any needs or any issues or any struggles that we have, any situations, Lord. We humble ourselves before you as our God. And we ask you, Lord God, to be Lord of our hearts and of our minds and of our life. Clean things up, Lord God. We're going to trust in you for our needs. We're going to trust in you for our situations. We're going to trust in you for those things that are trying to intimidate us or hurt us or overwhelm us or take us out. We're going to trust in you, Lord God, for our health, for our finances, for our well-being, for our families, for our marriages, and for our country. We put our trust in you here today. And if there's any sin or wickedness in us, we ask you to forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, O oh God. Cleanse your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.